This is LBC from Global, leading Britain's conversation. The best of Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. I hope your weekend has started well. I'm with you for the next couple of hours to ease you gently into your Saturday morning. In an hour's time, I'll be in conversation and I'll be telling you who I'll be talking to this week a little bit later on. Before that, I'll give you a chance to catch up on some of the best bits from the 4am spike this week. What do you mean you missed some of the programme? I expect a note from your parents or your doctor at the very least. So over the next hour, the best of Steve Allen. You'll hear what grabbed my attention over the past week from the massive stories we've all been reading and talking about to the barely Z-listers that we have to Google just to remember who they even are. Don't bother please texting, tweeting or emailing me about what you're having for breakfast, because I don't care, or what your favourite biscuit is. I couldn't care less at the best of times anyway. I'm Steve Allen and I'm with you until 7 o'clock this Saturday morning. So sit back, open your ears and enjoy the conversation. Enjoyed your interview with Kelsey Grammer yesterday. Seemed very down to earth. He what he was. I'll tell you what was interesting, though. The crowd outside waiting to see him as he got... I mean, admittedly, we had about half a dozen photographers out there and all the crowd were there and I thought it was for me. So I went out there, ta-da! Nothing, nothing at all. Did you see all the crowd outside and the photographers? Amazing, wasn't it? I thought seriously thought it was for me. See, now you've entered the world of showbiz. Now you know what it's like. Now, now you know how I live my life. You, of course, can't. But um, I come in this morning. Well, I mean, I was already here. And the Scottish boy comes in and goes, how was your weekend? I mean, have you ever heard on the programme, I said, the one thing I absolutely loathe is people going, oh, how was your weekend? What did you get up to? Mind your own blooming business. Yes, I mean, exactly. It's sort of, mind your own business. I mean, it's, 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 the trouble is what he's done is, you see, he's fallen into that, into that abyss where he thinks we're friends. You know, and of course we're not. He's just a work colleague. He's a servant. Like Paul Burrell was for Princess Diana, only with marginally less authority. And uh, so, but people come in on the, on the Monday, oh, what did you do for the weekend? Yeah. My brother fell down the stairs. He's in hospital at the moment. And, uh, and I put petrol in the car. And I had a very nice time. And I bought some satsumas and some nardicots. Anything else you want to know? Well, you're not, unfortunately. So in the same way... I don't care about your weekend. I couldn't care less whether you got yourself completely stonked out in some sort of cheap tacky dive bar and ended up, you know, on a, on a boat bound for Brazil. I couldn't care less. I don't care what happens to your weekend. It drives me insane. I said, you've never heard my programme. I don't care. Oh, yeah, you did. Oh, of course, you went up to see the non-existent parents. You know why? Because they don't exist. They don't exist. So he goes up there to see them. Hello? And and they're going hello, and you are, and he goes uh, I'm 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 your son, and they go no don't think so <laughs> always always entertaining always entertaining busy day says Ian one drop in North Wales and three in Manchesterford then back down to the Midlands it's very uh, it's very foggy Saturday was very foggy very foggy. I took the car out and then I said, oh, there, I should have told him. I, t- I t- took the car out on Saturday, but it was foggy, so I turned around and came back home again. And uh, Betty Davis once said, familiarity breeds contempt. Once they think you're a friend, they don't respect you anymore. A.K.A. staff. I know. That's what, I don't get friendly with them. I don't get, especially the Scottish one. You know, he's always doing it. Oh, you know. I mean, yesterday, he said, I mean, it's funny, actually, because I don't know why he's asking me how my weekend was and what I did. Because he sent me a text the other day saying, how's your weekend going? I mean, you know, what, what does that mean? Is that sort of done under the influence of alcohol? 
because I, I was I was quite surprised actually. I thought he would have he would have known, and so, I mean, the the, the message was uh, first of all it started on Saturday, uh, sorry Friday. I was a bit bored by that time. Just doing the ICWs now, you know. <laughs> and I'm sorry, that's your job. If you'd said you were cleaning out the parakeet's cage, I could have understood it. I'd have questioned it. Uh, so uh, uh, nothing tomorrow is there. I said this day. He went afternoon. As I say, completely off kilter. Completely off kilter on this one. No, there's not. Working on something for Tuesday or Wednesday. Good weekend, question mark. So I wrote back, very nice. My brother's just fallen down the stairs. And the person managed to take us off air this morning and yesterday morning. Good news, we get paid. Nothing to that. Nothing at all. Until he arrived in this morning, he went, that's what you do at the weekend. Small wonder I'm on medication. God, blimey, honestly. Steve, good job you exposed him. That'll teach him to stop asking about your weekend. Honestly, why do people want to know what you do for the weekend? It's just unnecessary. Unnecessary. We don't want people to know what you do for the weekend. I might have, I might have sort of been out and sort of, I don't know, invested a million pounds in sort of a trek to Kilimanjaro or sort of bought a Chinese junk and sailing it into... Uh, into Twickenham on the Thames. I can't think of any... You feel as though you have to sort of explain your life to people, you know, because I'm in show business. People want to know everything, you know. So, oh, do you go out with show business people this week? No, I had a weekend doing nothing. It was lovely. I said, well, apart from my brother falling downstairs, I think he's doing it to get out of painting his girlfriend's house. Soon-to-be wife. She said he'll do anything. She said, the worst thing is, he actually gets a trip to the hospital in an ambulance. She had to take the car and has to pay for the parking. I mean, it's ridiculous, isn't it, really? But never mind, never mind. Scottish mum says, can you tell my boy next time he comes home not to bring his uh, his washing? I don't think he's got any washing. You haven't got any. Did you take your washing home? Did you take... You did take your washing home. What do you... Don't you have a washing machine? You took your washing home to your mother? Well, she start... This, this is genuinely your mother writing into us. Yeah. You took washing home to your mother? Shame on you. Shame on you. That's outrageous. What did you take home? You didn't take underwear home. Can't you wash that at home? Your poor mother. As she enters her final years of life, she's now got to start doing your washing and your ironing and everything. I mean, that is outrageous. I would, even when I was living in London, I went home to see my parents. I would not, not even think about taking washing home. I'm seriously shocked by the fact that you at your age, and he's over 20, Mrs Woman, he's, he's over 20, and he brings washing home socks and pants, and, things, and you're expected to... That is awful. Do you have a washing machine at home? And you still take it home? What? Oh, dear, honestly, small wonder they want to move. Small wonder they're desperate to move. That is awful. Don't you think so? The producer think must Elizabeth Yes, but his his mother's in Aberdeen. Your sister does the washing. She, your sister does it and then you still take things home. I mean, do you not think your mother's got enough to do? There'll be people listening at the moment, including your poor mother, going, Aye, we're up here in Aberdeen and he brings all his washing home. When are you going up there next to go and collect your washing and ironing of socks and pants? Don't tell me she irons socks. Don't tell me she irons socks, please. I couldn't bear it. That is outrageous. Honestly. And the funny thing is, Mrs Woman, he thinks it's funny. He thinks it's funny. Me? Not so. 
So at least your mother's learnt how to text them. Listen, we need a long chat, actually. We need to go out for maybe lunch or something like that. We need to fill in a few gaps. You know what I'm saying? Just a few gaps. Like gap years, I think. My God, well, I tell you. We, we'll have him yet if, by the time we've all been regressed, we can sort something out. That's terrible taking stuff. You go home to visit... Did you Actually, just about of interest, did you take her a present home? Did you... Please tell me you took flowers or chocolates or something like that. What did, what did you take home? What did he take home? What did he take home? The washing. <laughs> Nada. Nothing at all. Nothing. You d- so, in other words, your, your mother is expected to do... Th- Every time I went home to see my, my parents, I took flowers for my mother. Always, without fail. Without fail. If I go to see the parents of my godchildren which I am in a couple of weeks' time, I always take six bunches of flowers down there, tulips, so they can just put them in. And you didn't take flowers, you didn't take chocolates, a bottle of wine, a bottle of whiskey. No, instead you present her with a bag of naff washing that needs doing. Small wonder your mother is writing to me, probably at the end of her tether, I should imagine, probably going, yeah... I'm not surprised they love the dog more than they love you. At least the dog doesn't sort of, you know, say, could you do my washing for me? That is so terrible. Really is. What have you told her about me? This I can't wait to hear this bit. This will be interesting. This will be very interesting, won't it? What have you told her about me? Be very careful. You've said that you're my second favorite. He's lying. He's lying through his teeth, honestly. Honestly, your poor mother is up at this time of the morning. She's probably there down by the stream with the washboard, doing the pants and socks and everything else. Her fingers frozen white, tinged with blue, thinking, if only we'd had two daughters. But there you go. You can imagine what, what, we, what we put up with down here. I feed him every day. Every day I feed him, apart from Saturday and Sunday. And it's only because I don't see him Saturday and Sunday, although merely time before he turns up on the blooming doorstep. Uh, dear Mrs. Woman, the next time Scottish boy brings home his washing, have a bonfire. Tough love, dear. Tough love. That's from Holly. Yeah, burn it. Oh, I'm sorry, we don't have your pants anymore. We've burnt them. Uh, Steve, does Scottish boy's mum give him breakfast in bed when he goes home? I'm hoping not, Shane. I'm hoping not. Bad enough that the poor woman has to write to me to say, don't bring his washing home. I mean, I'm sure she loves him as every mother does, but uh, in this particular case, I can't believe he even treks it up there on an aeroplane. He flies, so rich. He he flies up there. He doesn't buy her anything. Not even... If you go... When was the last time you went home? It might have been I mean, if it was... November, December, January, three months, and she gets nothing. Nothing at all. You were down... And it... Oh, right. Did you buy her anything then? Did you give her flowers to take home or something? Took her out for dinner. Oh, riveting. She's a housewife. I think she's she's quite used to eating food before. She can probably cook better than anybody else can, I should imagine, if she's the sort of woman I suspect she is, down at the stream. And, uh, you know, washing things out, you know, a couple of rocks and that kind of stuff. I love it. I took her out for dinner. Where, where'd you take her to? Not another McDonald's Happy Meal, surely, so she could get the free toy, was it? Or was it a discount? Yeah, that was the gift. Did you, did you get a free, a free, free sort of something? Do you, do, you, do you go for those food vouchers that you find the all-you-can-eat chicken wings? You know, something like where did where did you take it? You took her to a Greek restaurant. Yeah, but but that's really cheap. That's like I shouldn't imagine you paid any more than thirty quid for that, did you? Much much more. 
Oh, yeah. How much more? 32. 31. Oh, that is awful. And no flowers. God, dear. That dining room table must be looking quite empty, mustn't it? And nothing there. She doesn't, she doesn't like flowers. No. Oh, chocolates, then. Chocolates are quite nice. You get some very nice, you know, quality chocolates. And you didn't think to take her those anyway. Or perhaps, uh, perhaps uh, it wasn't room because of the washing, of course. Jane says, red sky at night, shepherd's delight. Red sky in the morning, Scottish boy's pants on fire. He's never going to live this down, isn't he, with his, with his pants, poor soul. So it's red sky. I can't do it now. You see, if you say do it in an accent, I can't do it. I can't, I don't, I can't really do a Scottish accent. I'm not very good, you know. Um, you know, I do. I do many accents. I'm the man of a thousand voices. Unfortunately, I, as as witty, <laughs> I can't do it as witty either. Because she only ever says no, I won't. Done in a sort of fairly butch, nasally kind of way. Red sky at night, shepherd's delight. Red sky in the morning, Scottish boys' pants on fire. Can't imagine actually. <laughs> actually, every time I look at Anne Widdicombe, all I keep thinking about is when that poor bloke turned up and said, can I have a look round your bedroom? No, you can't. Louis Theroux went there to look in the bed. He said, well, why not? You can't. She was always having anything to do with it. I thought it was hilarious. This is LBC. Here, Steve Allen live. Every Sunday morning from five and Monday to Friday morning from four. What is the one thing that you, that you, you see people and you think, oh, I wish I could do that. It's like, for me, I was watching a Venezuelan orchestra the other day, and they're all young people, but they're so brilliant that you want to burst into tears and explode because they're just brilliant. They've been on television. They've, there must be about 150 of them, and they're quite clearly, they, they, they've come from probably some quite poor families, but they've learnt to play an instrument, and I've often thought, I can't play an instrument. I played in a brass band, but, I mean, that was... I couldn't read music. They had to write down what my fingers were supposed to be doing, zero, one, one, three, one, two. I played a flugelhorn. Which was because they because they they came round. They said we, we, we're going to what? Don't start. They um, it's it's not a tri- it's a it's a cross between a trumpet and a cornet. But what you've got to do is make sure that when they came round to say we're we're looking for people for the brass band, they had to test out how big your lips were, because some people's lips were suitable for a euphonium. Some people. So everybody was. Did you play euphonium? Says a lot, doesn't it, really? Says a lot. I mean, I don't want to say it. I didn't want to say it. I'd let you say it first. And uh, and then there were other people who played cornets. I couldn't play a cornet because you have to go like that. My lips were best suited to a flugelhorn. And I used to, t- I was so proud to take it home on the bus. And then I'd get my mother's duraglit out and I'd clean it. I couldn't play the bloody thing, but I used to clean it and take it back into school again. Did you do trombone? Do you know there's almost a little ensemble going here? What with, with yeah, there is, there's something going on here. I don't want to be in it. I don't, no, seriously, there's only going to be one, one star in this band and it's going to be me, isn't it? Playing my little flugelhorn. But I used to love it. There's a lovely line in Mr Holland's opus because if you play um, a wind instrument like euphonium or trumpet or everything else, the one thing that builds up inside it is phlegm. And so every so often you have to push the little valve at the bottom and go, and all this water comes out onto your feet. And there's a great line in Mr. Holland's opus, because otherwise it goes like that, and it sounds a bit vibrato. But in Mr. Holland's opus, they're, they're playing the opus for him, if you've seen the film. And then one of the blokes sitting next to this girl sort of plays his sort of, tra- and then he empties the, the bottom of the valve, and she looks at him and she goes, 
Because it was, there was water everywhere. I don't know why anybody ever said that brass bands didn't make loads of water. They did. But I loved it. I thought it was really great. As long as I knew the tune, I could play it. If I didn't know the tune, I was rubbish. But I've often wished I, I could play... A friend of mine plays the organ. So well. And he... Um, but he plays by ear. He can hear a tune and then he can immediately go to play. We used to use him on LBC. People would phone up and say, can you do Ski Sunday? And he'd go straight into it, complete with percussion and bells and whistles and everything else. So that's why this morning I'm feeling particularly... Because I, I can't do anything like that. I watch people doing things and, I, and watching this Venezuelan orchestra. Put in children's orchestra and check out the Venezuelan ones. They're so good. And it's, and it's like, you know, you, you can feel the conductor, who's terribly well known, bursting with pride. Bursting with pride that they're so good. And it gives people a purpose. And he said he wants to see orchestras all over the world. And I would want to see them as well. But I can't do that. I can't throw a pot. We did, we did pottery at school. No, not that one. No, it's... Uh, have you, what have you typed in? Put, there, that's them. That's they are the National Children's Symphony Orchestra of Venezuela. They're so good. They're so, I mean they they really are. Uh, the um, the conductor that they've got. I mean look at the size of them. It's just. Uh, but yeah, but Simon Rattle's not. They have a Venezuelan uh, conductor who is just like. Look at them. Look how many there are. They're so good. Seriously, they're so good. I, I nearly wet myself. They were so exciting. <laughs> they're just, it's just, it's where people come together and they do something. Look at them. They're just children. Better than we ever were as well. Absolutely. They're just, take it off, take it off. I, I can't stand any more. It's too much excitement. Uh, Anthony says, I used to think playing the drums was the easiest instrument to play until I tried. It was the coordination of timing the foot on the bass drum whilst teaching your arms to work independently. Well, you better grow up, Anthony. And I'm telling you this now. There is a little boy on the internet. He's four years old on YouTube and he plays the drums. He's four years old. They bring him on stage. The drumsticks are bigger than he is. And he sits in front of an orchestra Playing the drum. He's a little tiny boy. He's, t- he's not sort of a miniature adult. He's a little tiny boy. Here he is. He, he comes on stage. Of course, it doesn't mean anything. Look at him. He's, t- he's so tiny. Seriously, I've seen crunchy bars bigger. He's a little tiny boy and he's, he's three. I do beg his pardon. And uh, he's, uh, he's playing drums in front of this orchestra. Look, here he goes. He's three years old. His father's saying, play it properly or we're all dead. <laughs> Look. He's three years old, seriously. I can't, I can't knock it. Take him off. Take him off. He's too talented for this programme. Three years old. Isn't that just amazing? Isn't that... I mean, honestly, sometimes his father's saying to him, you've earned money, and the kid's going, I haven't finished playing. Three years old. Look, his bow tie's bigger than he is. Oh, look. And he makes him stop playing. And he gets very... And then he goes off on one. He's brilliant, isn't he? Oh, the little... Oh, no, he's finished. And, and hit, hit the top drum. And he's... There's a row. OK, and then he goes, do it. Do it now. So the boy looks a bit and he goes... And that... It's a case of, I've done it, right? Don't push me, Dad. Three years old. Honestly, it makes you feel like you're not... And you're worrying about trying to get your arms to work independently in rhythm. And there's a three-year-old who's doing it with an orchestra. Might as well give up now. Give up completely. The best of Steve Allen on LBC.
thanks to the warmer weather, the good news is that uh, you've got British strawberries in the shops this weekend. Yeah. Does it make any difference? Yeah, because they taste like strawberries, don't they? If you put something in your mouth, Ollie, as you know, you want it to taste like it's supposed to. And in the case of strawberries, you know, the ones that we're getting... Have you, have you tried the ones... Have you had a strawberry recently? You did. Where, where was it from? Was it either Spain or Egypt? That tends to be the two places, Spain. They're not as good as the British ones. The British ones taste more like strawberries, like British... It's not for you, mate. You're from Aberdeen. You grow your own stuff up there. I bet your mother grows strawberries, does she? And brat. What do you mean blackberries? Oh, blackberries. Why don't you learn to speak English? What's the matter with you? Brambles. We don't. Brambles is what you get caught up in. If you're out collecting blackberries, you get caught up in, in the brambles. But the actual fruit is a blackberry. I think they're not. I don't want to make a big deal about it, but frankly, we won the war. OK, excuse me. I think you'll find there are blackberries. What do you call raspberries, then? Brambles as well. <laughs> Red brambles. They're just raspberries. But it's the same thing, isn't it? A raspberry grows on a... a sh- we used to grow raspberries. I can't remember what... They grew on a shoot, but blackberries you can find all over the place. If, if ever we saw them by the side of the road, we would pull into the side of the road and we'd all start picking blackberries and take them home. We didn't call them brambles. We called them blackberries. And then my mother would make something. What she made, I've got no idea. I can't remember for the life. Isn't it funny? You, you say, would she have made jam? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. No. Yes, we did grow rhubarb. I love... Oh, rhubarb. My mother... You had a patch. You called it a patch of rhubarb. Because if, cause the, the more you cut it, the more it would come back, wasn't it? We, we had a little, a little area that we, that we called the rhubarb patch. It was lovely. I loved rhubarb. My mother used to cook it, and then she'd um, let it go cold and then freeze it in those uh, containers you get from the Chinese takeaway. And when I used to go around there, she'd say, I've done you some rhubarb. <laughs> like it was a treat. <laughs> oh, can't wait. And... You dipped it in sugar? What, rhubarb? You didn't. Did you really? No. Like, that's why I can't have it. Um, Waitrose used to sell stewed rhubarb in a jar. They'd, it's like a compote. It was delicious. You've only got to put some big, thick, clotted cream on there and stuff. Oh. I tell you, I could be up on the ceiling in about five minutes. This is the best of Steve Allen on LBC. So, can you decipher regional put-downs? We've had our fair share. We've had our fair share. The North-Mouth Divide. OK, so this of me, North. Will uh, You might have you have to excuse my accent because it's not going to be very good here. Will you stop chelping in me luggles, you wazzock? OK. Uh, over in, uh, in, uh, in the South, mate, stop giving me ag. Short for agro, but they obviously don't know that. Uh, you were K-lead last night, lass. I don't think it's a dance. Over in uh, the south, it got messy and I just want a cotch. I have no idea what that means at all. You've had monk on all day like a uh, mongy sprog. <laughs> Seriously, it's another language. I feel totes emosh. I'm hanging out my and you're giving me the ump. Sorry, emosh. What's that? Emo- oh, right, emotional. Oh, right. Oh, there we go. We found somebody who can decipher for us. How, fo- how cool is that? We didn't even, have to, even need to bring in... A qualified person to do it. He's here. Koch is chill. Oh, right. Who speaks like this? Does anybody... I mean, I, you imagine me going up to my to my boss and going, right, James, I'm well gel. You look at me like I'm mad. I found your brick in t- Ginnell, your daft airpeth. 
What's that? Over in, in Essex. Yeah, I lost my dog. Everyone was steaming and the place was full of mugs. Presumably cups of coffee or something, I don't know. You look jiggered. Get some scran and kip sharpish. You look tired. Get some food and sleep, yes. I'm Hank Marvin, going down Golden Arches. Don't be gel of my munch. I'm assuming Hank Marvin's starving, yes. Going down the Golden Arches, going to McDonald's, I'm assuming. Don't be gel of my munch. I'm assuming, is that jealous of my food? Why do you just say, don't be jealous of what I'm having, because you're a peasant and you're not having it, OK? Yarik, and you're making me jip. <laughs> you smell of me making me sick. Do one, I smell pucker, you're doing my nut in. I mean, seriously. Sorry? I smell nice. You're annoying me. OK, right. How bizarre. It's an odd one, isn't it? I'm so glad I don't go up north very often. I'd never manage it. People would be saying things to me. I'd be going, thank you. Leading Britain's conversation. The best of Steve Allen on LBC. Uh, so, as a maker of heart-hitting documentaries, they're still trying to flog us this one from Stacey Dooley. She's at the centre of a storm over a charity trip. Uh, she's been accused of poverty porn. She went over to Uganda and pictured holding a, a little black child. And uh, somebody wrote saying there's something really wrong about this uh, this picture. They say she's talking to the locals outside a basic operating theatre wearing a £265 pair of boots. And uh, it's described, white savorism is a term used to describe white people who act to help non-whites in a way that could be seen as self-serving, for example, to gain online followers or praise at home. Yes, we said this years ago when they sent one of the Spice Girls out to India to watch children ferreting around on rubbish dumps. And, and I said they won't have the faintest idea who she is. What's she doing there? Just somebody, can we have a picture taken? OK, can you cuddle the baby? Lovely, give it back. OK, that's fine. And that's it. And so the Stacey Dooley pictured here uh, with a big smile on her face whilst dealing with obviously people who are starving. Why, why is that funny for Stacey Dooley? Uh, the, uh, the company... Uh, she said, I've had numerous photos with children. Last year, I was with Roma kids in Hungary and no one had any issue. Similarly, there's pictures of me with Iraq. It's becoming a bit of a habit, this one, isn't it? She just wanders around holding other people's children. The Ugandan families asked to take pictures with us. What for? What was that? Were you giving them money? I don't know. She said, I've been working in Africa for nearly 12 years. I asked the locals how I should behave. And they all said, can you wear a £265 pair of boots and hold our child? Because you don't know who the child is. There's no name on the child at all. It's just a nameless person. So that's why it's a load of old hooey. Comic Relief says the photo was a personal shot taken at the request of the child's family. So there you go. But it has agreed, it's Comic Relief this is, to curb the use of celebrities. Good. Can we find some proper people, the ground workers? Not somebody who's sort of doing it to boost their own publicity. It's not right. Not right at all. 24 minutes past uh, six. And so they had Ed Sheeran. He met a little boy who lives on the streets of Liberia. That was for Save the Children. And it's, it's lovely. Whether it makes any difference, I've got no idea. And so you can, you can look at all, all the kids looking at pictures of him. They don't know who he is. They've got no, it's, it's a white person who's sitting in our class. And uh, this is the, these three films, Poverty Porn Appeals, Tom Hardy, Ed Sheeran and Eddie Redmayne, simply reinforcing white saviour stereotypes. The three films made for comic relief from the Disasters Emergency Committee, which raises cash for 13 major UK aid groups, including Save the Children, Oxfam and Action Aid, were nominated for Most Defensive Campaigns of 2017 by the Raddy Aid Awards. 
It's aimed at challenging aid groups to shift away from stereotypes about people living in poverty. Yeah, they don't want a celebrity turning up to take pictures of them. They want help. They want money. You know, and all these companies, Oxfam, Save the Children Action Aid, they're, they're multi-million pound companies. Charity is a business. It's a business now for these big companies. So that's why whenever you see a disaster and then you get Oxfam or whoever it is asking for, for money, they've got the money. They just want you to donate more. In fact, I, I think that £60 million was raised. The, the Yemen appeal raised £27 million. Ed Sheeran has good intentions, said this lady, but the problem is the video's focused on Ed Sheeran as the main character. He's portrayed as the only one coming down and being able to help. I mean, you know... <laughs> It's a bit sad, really, isn't it? I mean, at one point, the, uh, a bomb drops and the family are forced to move. But it's, it's celebrities. I mean, there's a picture here of somebody dressed up as Batman holding... what they, they don't know who this is. They've got no idea. That was War Child, I think, another one. They, need to, they sort of need to re-look at these things. They need to sort of, you know, do it, do it properly, I think. And, and how's Stacey Dooley going to help? I mean, I suppose you could argue the fact that people might see her out there and go, oh, well, she's out there, we, we can donate money. That's, that might be how it works. But to be honest with you, I mean, she said she's been around to all these different places. They don't know who she is. Who is she? She's nobody. Nobody at all. Uh, so, uh, how has Sir Bob Geldof amassed tens of millions of pounds promoting charities? He's far worse than Stacey Dooley. But, I mean, that was, you see, you could argue about, about Live Aid because they have the same problem. Even after we raised all that money and all those people gave of their time, they've still got the same problem. Why? Corruption. Corruption. It's as simple as that. That's the problem. Where you've got money being pumped into countries. In fact, if you remember during Live Aid, and I remember it vividly, that there was the, uh, the scenes in the refugee camp of children dying. Less than two miles down the road, they were celebrating with parties with champagne. And then, to make it worse, when they were making the, uh, the single... They were all pictured in America eating and drinking, you know, posh food. And they're there to raise money for people who are starving. So that's why. That's why. That was the problem there. It was, it was, uh, it was corruption in the countries where people took the money. The money was going in, the aid was going in, but it wasn't getting to where it was supposed to go to. So consequently, you've still got exactly the same problem that you had. You know, even Blue Peter with all its worthwhile causes of taking water out and digging holes and putting in standpipes and stuff like that, they've still got the same problem. Because there are certain people in the country who take, and there are other people who unfortunately give up everything. Steve, you talk about charities. My house is up for sale for £700,000. couple came to see it. I asked him his position. He said, I'm a first-time buyer. I said, wow, what do you do for a living? He said, I work for a charity and they're buying it for us. <laughs> Well, that's, they, they, but I tell you, actually, that isn't as far-fetched as you think it is. Because they will pay a lot of money to get people in to run charities if they think, and they, there's a lot of poaching goes on, if they think that they can raise more money, then they, that's nothing. A £700,000 house, good Lord. Because when he, he moves out of it, somebody else will move in and they will pay good money to find a, a charity fundraiser. And uh, Carl says, regarding celebs doing charity stuff, I remember years ago I was appalled at Dawn French going to Ethiopia to tell us about the starving. She ate more in one meal than those kids did in a month. Well, they've got to eat. I mean, I, I know it, it doesn't explain it away, but they do have to eat. Uh, Steve, the people, says Richard, who get up my nose, are the rich and privileged, rich and privileged, who spend their time flying around the world flaunting the green credentials. To them, I would include the silly little girls who took time out of school recently and are no doubt planning their long-haul holidays. Fantastic. Steve, what about the charity bosses going to poor nations and staying in five-star luxury hotels and smoking? 
Hypocrite, says Rob. No, that's how they do it. That's how they do it. That's that, that they are people who are paid a lot of money to generate an income for the charities. And the more success... Some of these people are very successful. They know exactly what to do. Uh, Stacey Dooley's a great self-starter who's highlighting people's plights in this sometimes horrible world, says Mike. We know, we know what their plight is. We know all about it. We're not stupid. We do have news gathering before Stacey Dooley came along. Thank you very much indeed. We know all about things like that because I read about it every day in the newspapers. And in fact, all of the charities have people who work on the ground. You don't need a celebrity, in inverted commas, to, to go there to highlight a situation. But of course, it's the only way you're going to get heard on the television. They're not going to bother otherwise. This is the best of Steve Allen on LBC. Beyond brazen, Katie Price spared jail, despite being drunk whilst in charge of her Range Rover. The judge wasn't impressed by her at all. All she did was go, oh, I thought it was going to be two years. So this is her third driving ban, incidentally. I don't know how many you're allowed before they take you off the road completely. Uh, says Ed. He says, read Katie Price. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I was led to believe that drink driving carried a mandate. She wasn't drink driving. She wasn't convicted of drink driving. She was not drink driving. Okay, have to be very careful, Ed. Very, very careful. If you start making claims about somebody which are not true, she was not drink driving. They've already dismissed her. I mean, admittedly, the judge doesn't hold too much on uh, on her sort of word on anything. Thinks she's being slightly economical with the with the truth. Uh, because when, when they got there, she was sitting in the back of the car, and apparently the person who had been driving it ran off. What for? Why would the person driving the car run off? What would be the point of that one? That's a very odd one, isn't it? And the judge wasn't t- totally in belief, and the police didn't believe it either. Uh, especially when the boyfriend, who she's about to dump on her television programme, he'll be singing like a canary, won't he? Singing like a canary very shortly, you know, when she dumps him on television. I mean, she really is a ghastly piece of work. But this is now the third driving ban. And she's going, yeah, because like the price, he can go and get a car now. And I'm thinking, but with what money, dear? What, what, what have you actually done? You, know, can't, you can't be selling any of those children's clothes. That died, didn't it? Very quickly. I'm beginning to wonder whether or not I'm on the right planet. Somebody's now written, much as I don't like Katie Price, she's not banned. She'd done a live Instagram video on her way out of court and was told she only got 10 points. No, she didn't. No, she didn't. Nothing worse than a thick person at this time of the morning. She's been banned for three months. She was told she could have ten points on her licence, but she opted for the ban. I mean, for God's sake, wake yourself up. I mean, dim. I hope to God you don't vote. That'd be a nightmare, wouldn't it? And uh, another one here. This is... Uh... Oh, the Price's video. The Price's video. I don't know why we waste time. She broke the law and she's paid for it. It's, uh, but here she is. This is her... Instagram. Okay. Where should I stop? <laughs> That's her walking incident, you're not a horse. Hey guys, can I just say something? Can I say something? I'd like to thank my lawyer. <laughs> I'd like to thank my lawyer, Paul McCauley. And despite what the press are going to write about this case, oh, we go. I just want the truth to be known. I was never drink driving, despite everyone saying it. it got proven today there was no evidence at all of me drink driving. I never was drink driving, it got proven today, so I rest my case on that. But yes, I was convicted because I had the keys and I was in the car and in charge of the car. So I was given a choice of having 10 points on my licence or to be disqualified for three months. Safer to go for the three months, I think, really. Because let's face it, 10, she only needs two more and that's her off the road again. So she's opted for the other one. Just one, you know, well, whatever it is, she was drunk as a skunk. In fact, she was twice 
the legal limits, but she wasn't done for drink driving. It's amazing, isn't it? And then you get somebody writing, she done a live Instagram. God knows, I get some thick people. I mean, and there it was. You heard it from the horse's mouth. <laughs> there she was, telling you the truth. Uh, Tom says, what talents do Katie Price and the GC have? Well, Katie Price is just dreary and moaning with that nasally voice. Not so exciting. My assistant's dog, Hagrid, has more talent than the cast of the Anyways Essex and Geordie Shaw put together. I can well believe it. Well, believe it. She's just, you know, because the press are like going to get this wrong and all the rest of it. She's talking to the press out there, but she's too thick to realise that all these people who are taking the photograph, they are the press. They are the press. That's what's so sad about it. But anyway, so it can't go another time, can it really? But that's the trouble. She's too old now to to start uh, drinking and, and doing stuff like that. You must stay well away from it. Well away for it. Uh, Mike says, Katie Price, she really does want to make you want to vomit violently. Yeah, I mean, it's the trouble is she's just a silly little show off. Silly little show off. She can't write. She can barely string two words together. And then it's always, oh, the press are against me. But as I say, the laugh is she was talking to the press. But, but she made 45 million, didn't she? And then she lost it. Where did she lose it? Well, she didn't lose it because she never had it in the first place. She never made 45 million. I mean, in other words, if she really did make 45 million, she's got to be the thickest person in the entire planet to lose 45 million. She's got a mortgage on the house, so she, she never had the money. Chronically bad car, chronically bad car, a dump of a place, because, as she said, I don't know where we are with, with putting Harvey into care or the horse box. Yeah, we had a trouble with the horse box, but she was, uh, she was horse jumping the other day. Which is lovely, isn't it, really? Because she doesn't really have a job. The job is, you know, appearing in court. And uh, as I say, she's had a few of those. This is LBC. Here, Steve Allen live. Every Sunday morning from five and Monday to Friday morning from four. Shock news, I've got to tell you this one now. I want you to try and be brave and stick with it. Kerry Katona has been left shocked by the fact that Daniela Westbrook has ended their friendship. I don't know how we're going to cope for the rest of the day. Apparently, the former EastEnders actress, I mean, that was about in the year dot, is said to have called Kerry from rehab, where she's receiving treatment for her cocaine addiction, to call off their friendship. Hello, I'm calling off our friendship. Oh, go away and grow up, for goodness sake. Two, two numpties together. Kerry spoke about her on Loose Women. But I thought, excuse me, I seem to remember them being on Loose Women, where they went through this charade about, oh, we like Bessie Mate, because they're both done Colombian. And um, and I thought that Kerry Katona was going to help Daniela Westbrook through it. Well, obviously, as Kerry Katona can't even get her own life in order, why on earth she thinks she can help somebody else? I've got no idea. But apparently it's so awful, as Kerry considered Daniela a friend. God, what sort of friends do you need? In a series of scathing tweets, Daniela has fumed at Kerry for making money out of her. These people are really too depressing for words, aren't they? They really are. She said, we've had such parallel lives, because she thanked Kerry for being a friend and a mentor. It's just pants. I mean, it seriously is. It's about the most dreary thing you could ever think of. So they're not friends anymore. Like three-year-olds. Not talking to you. Why? Well, you talked about me on television. Yeah, and you made money out of me. Oh, grow up and go away, for goodness sake. Gemma Collins has dumped James Argent again for about the 1500th time. I mean, even more boring. And, uh, and Kerry Katona was just disgusting on uh, Celebrity First Dates. Uh, she said she would sell, as well, her own, her own sex tape. God, your children must be so embarrassed for you, really. I don't know what, what to say, really. These people, perhaps they only think about themselves. Uh, Steve, life has to be pretty bad if you need Kerry or Daniela as a friend, says Simon. I agree with you. You know, two, two empty vessels together. They can do what the hell they like. Made, oh, I'm going to see you through this. Then she talks about her on television. I thought she was mentoring her, whatever that means. 
But uh, it's just a part of old rubbish. Third-rate Z-listers. Just ignore them. Daniela would turn her nose up at a friendship, if she had one. Thank you. There's the gag of the day. The best of Steve Allen on LBC. The showbiz split of the second. Gemma Collins and the fat bloke are off. He apparently took a picture of her snoring in bed, posted it, and then said she's got more rolls than Greg's. Obviously had a sherbet or two, I should imagine, because you wouldn't write that if you're supposed to be going out with someone. Anyway, she's kicked him out and changed the locks again. For about the 15th time. For about the 15th time. They are like little three-year-olds, aren't they? Anyway, she's gone on holiday. Thank God for that. Perhaps she'll stay there and not come back. Uh, yeah, so, so Gemma Collins is in bed, and uh, he films her snoring and puts it up online. I mean, as, as you can well imagine. Not at all happy. I'm not happy. And then all her friend... Uh, are saying, oh, it's only because he, he's jealous. It's like a star is born. She's turned out to be a bigger star. How delusional can you be? Two dead weights, two totally useless, rubbish people. It's as simple as that, you know. She doesn't do anything at all. And, of course, it was quite funny because she goes to bed with lipstick on. That's a bit odd, isn't it, really? And uh, and and sort of false eyelashes or something. I mean, it's a bit grotesque to see. Is that grey hair? Oh, dear, she looks like she's got grey hair as well now coming through. That's not promising. Anyway, she's finished with him. She's kicked him out of the house, got rid of his scooter. The scrap men came round to get rid of the scooter. And she's uh, tiddled off on holiday. Thank God. For... You know why? Hasn't been in the papers for about three weeks. And uh, she's looking forward to going on the tour of Dancing on Ice. And, uh, and he, he's looking forward to doing anything. Who cares about them? Seriously, they're that ch- he'll, he'll be seen with somebody else very shortly because that's what they do. Well, you know, you see them on the Jeremy Kyle show. So you cheated on me. No, we weren't going out when I cheated on you. And that's what they'll actually say. I mean, if you're listening to this on the best of Steve Allen on Saturday morning. Hello. Welcome to the weekend. They're probably back together by now because I'm assuming it's, it's one of those things that's it's sort of playing a little bit of a game. We need to get in the papers. I tell you what, why don't you take a picture of me snoring? And uh, and then I'll I'll sort of then throw it throw a strop. It's all fake. It's all fake. I mean, honestly, you only have to look at the pair of them to realise what the word empty vessels means. Empty vessels. This is the best of Steve Allen on LBC. Parents hiring dwarves dressed as tots for baby showers. What's the point of that? I mean, admittedly, I don't want to sort of do dwarves down. You know, they, they don't get exactly much work till it comes round to Christmas and things like that. And even then, it's a bit sort of naff or pantomimes. But um, so I can't really deny them uh, earning a little bit of money. But it does seem a bit strange, doesn't it? And they've got photographs of people doing it as well. They dress them up as babies. Isn't I mean, I don't think that's right. Well, babies aren't at baby showers. But mind you, they, they did it on the television, didn't they? Didn't they do it with um, the Fahir sisters? They had a naff baby shower with loads of sort of... Th- it's just basically a load of chavvy mums to get together. Most other people have an afternoon tea, but they sort of... It was really tacky. It was really tacky. And we've got flowers here, and we've got this, and we've got sweeties and everything. And, the, and you know, we haven't even got a baby. Doesn't make any difference, does it? I mean, I want a baby. Everybody else is having a baby. I want a baby. Why can't I have a baby? Unless I could buy one. Although, to be honest, at my time of life, they'll go, well, your life expectancy is not brilliant, is it? You know, the kid will barely reach. It works for, yeah, well, it works for a lot of people. I think, I think if you've actually got loads of money, then you can, buy, you can buy babies or buy into it. Didn't we have Bobby Cole Norris saying that he, he wanted Babby as well? As I say, he could barely look after himself. They'd have to be ridiculous. And then we had, as well, Katie Price saying she wanted to adopt a baby. She didn't mind if it was, if it was one that, that had an illness. You know, I think she was talking about AIDS or something like that, or a disabled child. I thought, well, you can't cope with Harvey. You know, it's, she's obviously got this obsession about babies, and uh, quite dangerous, I suspect. 
Uh, Steve, if you don't want your babby now, you could have your eggs frozen. <gasps> so exciting. So exciting. I could have a baby. Actually, if I thought about it earlier, I probably could have done. Probably could have done. Steve, you can get a dwarf dressed as a smurf handcuffed to a guy on his stag do. I think I've seen that before, actually. I've seen pictures of it. I don't know why, I don't know why people want to do that. I really, I really don't, actually. Oh, dear. The baby dwarf who finds him. Here he is, a picture of Eric at work, dressed up as a baby, with two parents, and he's holding a giant dummy. I find it a bit sad, really, actually. But um, I, I really do. They, they, they carry baby onesies and, and a dummy and carry around, a, a, and, and, a, and they've got a bonnet on as well. Slightly peculiar. Slightly peculiar. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to say too much in case somebody says, well, they've got to earn a living. They have. I don't think like that. That's like, yes, that's like, yes, certain websites where sort of people dress up as babies and certain sorts of women look after them. This is just not... It's like dwarf throwing. I, I wasn't in agreement with dwarf throwing either. Zedless celebrity throwing, yes. I would hardly endorse that one. The best of Steve Allen on LBC. Did you hear the story over the weekend about the granddad who mistook a pot of yoghurt for a pot of paint and ended up drinking the paint? Well, that's just stupidity, isn't it? I mean, surely. Surely. I mean, you would know, wouldn't you, when you open a tin of paint, it's paint. It's got paint written on the side if you're stupid enough to drink it. Whether it would do you any harm, I suppose it would do, actually, wouldn't it? Yoghurt. I've run out of water at home. I know it's in the taps, but I don't drink water from taps. I only drink bottled water. Don't look like that. I just drink bottled water. Because, you know, because I can. Because it's cheap. It's cheap. I, I buy bottled water and I only drink bottled water. And I put bottled water in my water machine as well. <laughs> That's how rich I am. <laughs> That's all stupid. I can't work out what it is. People say, oh, you can turn on the tap. I go, no, no, thank you. No, no, no. I, I don't do the turning on the tap. I know you can. Have you ever had a tea from McDonald's? Always hot and you get a sachet of milk. I wonder what our milk person friends think about sachets of milk. Is it actually milk? You see, I, I use milk here all the time. In fact, milk. You have to hunt it on a Monday morning. So, yes, milkman and sachets of milk. Are they those little carton things you pull? The, I can never pull the lid back. And then you do that. It's sort of UHT milk, isn't it? Or something like that. Leading Britain's conversation. The best of Steve Allen on LBC. Somebody says, will you be falling off air again today? No, the person who made us fall off air isn't here today. Probably come back next weekend. And uh, But we, we didn't know what to do. It happened on, on a Sunday morning when we were all at our lowest ebb. And then all of a sudden it just went off. We couldn't get back on again and the emergency tape. Because for some reason, has the emergency changed for Sheila Fogarty? Or... It's not just me anymore. I'm quite hurt by that. For years, I've had the monopoly on I'm the emergency tape. Something goes wrong, all of a sudden it's, here's Steve Allen. Because I've, I've got the in-conversation programmes. But, uh, so there's, the, the, there's other people as well now. <laughs> Should be having words about that one. <laughs> ben will be trying to uh, eat food liquidised, I should imagine, by the time I'm blooming finished. This is the best of Steve Allen on LBC. I've just read, this is your 40th year... Says Nick, creating fun at LBC. What month? When's the party? An invitation to the palace. Um, well, it was uh, December. <laughs> seems seems amazing. It's right at the very end of the year, yes. We think it was either... I can't remember this bit. This is the bit. Either the 12th or the 19th, isn't it? We think the 12th of December was when I first started in 1979. And you don't really want to know about that one. Because I turned up here with bleached hair 
And the friend of mine who'd actually got me the, the introduction to the management, the management, said, what have you done? He said, you look like Bet Lynch out of Coronation Street. I said, I don't know. I don't know. It was just one of those things. But anyway, luckily, I, I got the job. I, I don't think there was a job, but I got put on the list on the rotor of newsreaders because I was a particularly good reader, which in those times, people didn't want to be newsreaders. They wanted to be reporters or presenters, and I just wanted to be a, a newsreader. So that's, that's how we actually did it. And, uh, and it worked. It worked. And then I think within, within a few days, I had the phone call and I was working. I was doing overnights, reading the news and doing the overnight programme. Fantastic. And as I say, it's been onwards and upwards ever since. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Sunday from 5am.